Well, if you uh, have, uh, are a bit like me and you've been going to church for a long, long time, I grew up in a church, um, you will know what I mean by the term Sunday best or putting on your Sunday best. And for those of you who don't know um, what I mean, let me explain just briefly. You see, as a child um, attending a traditional church, um, not, not this one, but a more traditional church, we, it was expected that every time we attended a church service on a Sunday, we would be on our absolutely best behavior. We were, had to be the best version of ourselves. Not only best behavior, we had to have the nicest demeanor, the most polite language, we had to not shout in church, we had to behave really well, our hair had to be perfect, uh, we had to be super clean, we had to be showered, and, and like as kids we had to be just perfect, and our clothes, oh boy, our clothes, we had, and you might be able to relate to this, we had a set of clothes that was anointed that was holy and set apart for the Lord that could only ever be used on Sundays for church. Yeah? (laughs) And rarely would it ever get pulled out at any other time of the week, right? Your special Sunday clothes, your Sunday best. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, many of you know my parents, and uh, you know that they're not overly traditional or old-fashioned or anything like that, so I don't blame them for the um, trauma that I experienced in this time. Um, it was just what you did, right? It's what you did. You came to church in your Sunday best, and actually in many churches um, around Australia and around the world, that's still what you do, is attend church in your Sunday best. Um, but the thing is, we would go home after church or to my grandparents' place for lunch or something like that, and you'd walk in the door and you'd immediately just breathe out a sigh of relief. You'd just relax. And and you might get changed into more comfortable clothes again. By the way, my clothes, being a child of the 90s, had lots of buttons, uh, had tartan every now and again, corduroy. um, Yeah, interesting. And, and, but we'd, we'd, we'd get home, we'd relax, we'd start talking normally, we'd start behaving just normally again until next Sunday where we kind of did it all over again. Anyone else know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> we're in this series and we're um, in the middle of launching our strategic goals for the next few years as the church community. These are the things, the three things that we are going to be focusing on over the next few years. Uh, and uh, Dorothy so um, uh, brilliantly introduced us to the first goal last week of knowing people. And uh, I get to uh, introduce us to the idea today of embracing authenticity, and Christy next week is going to join us and, uh, and introduce the idea of what it means to engage a digital community. Uh, but these three focuses for the next few years have been carefully and prayerfully selected. Uh, over the last, it's taken a couple of years um, by our elders, by our leadership team, by our staff, and with contributions from our Hope Partners too. So many of you have been involved in the process. And, and we've been seeking God and we've come up with these three focuses that we believe God is asking us to undertake that will take us the furthest 
towards achieving our vision of being a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. So today, we get to um, unpack just a little bit about what it means to embrace authenticity in our community. But we have to ask a couple of questions first. We have to ask, what is authenticity, and why would authenticity be important to us as a church? Um, And then we're going to have a look at how we can do that. But what is authenticity? When I think of authenticity, I think of pizza, and I think of art, and I think of sporting memorabilia. Good combo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pizza. I don't know if you've had authentic Italian pizza, or indeed authentic cuisine from any other culture at all. I'm sure if you've had a great curry made by an Indian person who that, that recipe has been handed down for generations, or an, or an authentic pasta or pizza made by an Italian person, I'm sure you would agree that nearly all the time the authentic cuisine is, it seems to be far better than the Australian version of that, right? It just, it just is. Authentic uh, artwork is, is far more valuable. It's far more precious. It's special than any kind of um, replica of that artwork. And sporting memorabilia or music, any kind of memorabilia, I don't know if you have any memorabilia. I'd be interested to know. Um, maybe after we can talk chat about it. I've got a couple of sporting memorabilia things that are important to me because they remind me of um, joyous times in my life uh, with my sporting teams. And uh, they come with a little certificate of authenticity, uh, a document that proves that the signature that is on that piece is, in fact, the real signature of that person and not just copied on somehow, not just transferred on. It's a real signature. You see, something that is authentic is the original version. It's the first version of that thing. Or, or it's, it's um, as it is when the artist took their paintbrush off the canvas for the last time. No one has added to it. No one has tweaked it. No one has improved it over the years. An authentic pizza is the way that the Italian people have been making pizza for centuries, right? And they haven't changed it. It's the same as it's always been. They have not added pineapple to it. <laughs> I am a fan of pineapple on pizza, by the way, so, you know. But it's not authentic. It's not authentic. <laughs> you see, authentic, something that's authentic is real. It's true. It, it is what it says it is, just like the memorabilia, right? That, that piece of memorabilia is the thing that that person touched and used their real-life hand with a pen, with a sharpie, to write their name on that thing, right? <laughs> it is real. It's what it says it claims. It, it is what it claims to be. It's authentic. So why would being authentic as people and as a church, be so important for Door of Hope over the next few years? Why is this a value of ours? Well, firstly, it's going to help us to be more Jesus-centered. You see, Jesus was fully man and fully God. He, He was the perfect example 
of human authenticity. You see, he was created by God, and he spoke, he acted, he behaved, he walked around, he, he loved exactly how God had intended him to do. Exactly what he wanted him to do. He was the perfect, and still is, and will only ever be the perfect example of an authentic human being. Now, as people who might claim that we have Jesus at the center of our lives, what we're saying is that we want to become more like him. We actually want to become more Christ-like. And one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his closest friends, in fact, wrote this in the book of 1 John. He said, By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk in the same way that he walked. Are you more like Jesus today than you were 10 years ago? Are you more like Jesus today than you were pre-COVID? Are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? For those of us who've been Christians for a long time, that can be a confronting question. Are we becoming more and more Christ-like? And one of the ways we become more and more Christ-like is by being authentic, because Jesus was the perfect example of human authenticity. The second reason why authenticity is going to be really important for us as a church is that it's going to be helping us be others-focused. You see, people have always sought out authenticity in others. But today, in this time, in this culture, in this era, people crave authenticity. They crave what is real. You see, our culture has experienced an authenticity drought. They are thirsty, they are desperately thirsty to know what is real. So much so that actually brands all the way around the world are working out how to use authenticity to market to people, especially to Gen Z. Because you see, Gen Z is this, young, um, this group of young people who were born around the time of September 11th. They were growing up and going through school at around the time of the global financial crisis and wars in the Middle East, and they could quite keenly observe the impacts of those important world events on their own lives, on their parents' lives, on their aunties and uncles and their communities. This is the group of young people who were finally finishing their studies and entering the workforce when suddenly a worldwide pandemic hit and everything shut down again. You see, Gen Zs are acutely and intrinsically aware that the world is fragile and uncertain. They know it deep down. And you see, if we, would, if we want to connect with these young people and the people of the future, we simply must not pretend that everything's great. We cannot pretend that life is smooth and easy and always good all the time because they just simply know that's not true. They can sniff out a fake a mile away. An example of this, a few months ago, there was a video circulating online, which I, uh, a lot of my friends 
um, shared, and it's of the basketball superhero, Steph Curry, shooting long shots from one end of the court to the other, landing in the basket, absolutely incredible. And uh, what I found interesting is that a whole lot of my friends shared this online, but everyone who shared it, who was over the age of about 35, were sharing it like, wow, isn't this guy incredible? Look at his skill. This is freakish. This is unbelievable. Look at him go. While everyone under the age of about 30 was sharing it like, look at this fake video. This is clearly doctored. This is clearly edited. It's not true. It's, it's pretend. It just looks real. It's just, I just found it really interesting. And, and sure enough, even though Steph Curry is an incredible basketball player and he can hit shots from just miraculous places from time to time, it was a fake. And, and he came out uh, and um, clarified in press conferences a week or so later that it was edited, it was doctored mainly for an advertising campaign. Um, but it had been taken, just that snippet of it had been taken and then shared online and everyone thought it was him doing it for real. And, and I don't say that to, to say that everyone over the age of 30 is kind of naive and dumb and gets sucked into things online or anything like that at all. Because it's just, that's not true. But what I mean is that the next generation of people have intrinsically learnt to not trust things at face value. They want to know that something is real. And something like that, they can just pick a fake a mile away. As real as it looks, it certainly fooled me the first time I saw it. If we want to be others-focused, especially in the year 2023 and beyond, we simply must be real. We simply must be true. We must be who we claim to be. We must be authentic. Third reason that authenticity is going to help us is that it's going to help us be better at being together in community. It is. You see, the best forms of community are made up of people who are authentic with each other. And there's no better example than this probably than than the community that Jesus hung out with, the very first original church and, and Christy brilliantly uh, introduced this a couple of weeks ago, that, that Jesus' followers were just kind of this ragtag collection of seemingly randoms. There were, there were people who were generous. There were people who were greedy. There were zealots. There were people who were, were doubters. There were shy people. There were leaders. There were rich. There were poor. There were sick. There were healthy, young, old. Just about every combination, there were even deniers and a traitor. But these people just did life together, as they were, from wherever they were, and they were just following Jesus together, doing their best to become more like Him, not trying to pretend to be anything or anyone else. Doesn't that sound like a great example of community to you? You see, embracing authenticity will allow us to be better at our mission, to be Jesus-centered, others-focused, together in community. And as we get better at our mission, we are more likely to see the fulfillment of our vision to be door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. So what does this look like? 
How can I be authentic as a person? And how can we be authentic as a church community? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that authenticity starts with knowing who we really are. Knowing who we really are. Do you know who you really are? Do you know your authentic self? There's actually only one place you can go to discover your authentic self. It's not what others say about you. It's not what the internet might say about you. It's not, it's not even how you feel. The only place, the only person you can turn to to know who your authentic self is, is the person who designed you in the first place. Your artist. And, and he does tell you who you are. He tells us who we are in his word. And these are just some descriptions of who he says, I am and you are. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. I am gifted by the Holy Spirit for a purpose and with a plan for my life. I am where I am and when I am for a purpose. And I don't want to waste that. But he says, I am imperfect. I am tainted by sin, which is the decision to go my own way instead of God's way. And, and, and therefore, things in life just don't always happen how I want them to happen. They don't always go to plan. But things can go wrong. He says, I am saved by grace alone, by the gift of Jesus, not by anything I can do or anyone I pretend to be. He says, I am on a journey of sanctification, a gradual evolution of my former self before Jesus to my ultimate final self in eternity, completed by who Jesus is and what he's done. But along the way, I kind of take two steps forward and one step back. It's not a smooth journey. Sometimes, sometimes I take more steps back than I take forward, but I'm on a journey. And he says that I am good at some things, but I'm also not good at other things. And so I need to both contribute to community and lean on community in order to properly thrive. You see, we cannot be our authentic selves until we know what our artist has said about us, what our creator says about us. That's when we know who we really are. Perhaps this morning you need a reminder of who you really are. Perhaps you need to spend more time with your creator to learn who he says you are and who he wants you to be. Or perhaps this morning you're joining us either online or in the room and you don't know your creator at this point. Well, we'd love to introduce you and we'd love to answer any questions you might have. But authenticity just, it doesn't just stop when we know who we are. Because authenticity continues with showing who we really are. Ben Kirby, in his book, Preachers and Sneakers, asked the question, why are we so determined to let the world see into our beautiful lives? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? I don't know about you, but um, my social media feed and, and uh, accounts are filled with people who are happy to display how fearfully and wonderfully they made they are. The perfect holiday, 
the most perfect meal, the perfect kids on the first day of school dressed perfectly, a beautiful new haircut, the joyous life milestones. If social media is anything to go by, then the average person has a perfect life, right? (laughs) But we know that that's not true. That's not real. It's just the highlights package. But it's actually not even an issue that's reserved for social media. If you don't have social media, don't, don't feel like you're off the hook here. Because remember the idea of our Sunday best, of, of putting on the very best version of ourselves, or even a fake version of ourselves, to potentially just, just hide or cover up what's really happening in our lives. You see, we are happy to show the highlight reel of our lives to everyone, but we're a little more hesitant to share with people that I have a purpose in life, that I make mistakes all the time and and I don't always get it right, or that I'm saved because Jesus loves me, not because I'm perfect, or that I'm trying to be more like him, but sometimes I do better than other times, or that I'm really good at some things, yep, but I'm also really terrible at others and I need help at other times. Where's all that on our reels and our stories and our news feeds and in our community? Authenticity, it starts when I know who I really am, but the only way authenticity continues is when I'm willing to show who I really am to others, both celebrating the wins, which is really important, and nothing wrong with celebrating the wins, by the way, but also acknowledging the fails, acknowledging the times that life doesn't go to plan, that things don't always go perfect. I got sent this quote a few weeks back by Danielle Strickland. She says, hope isn't happy, it's honest. Cultivating authenticity is key to unlocking your life from cynicism's grip. Get real. Don't be afraid to acknowledge what is hard and true. It's in that honest place we can start to see God at work. That's where hope is found. And I don't know about you, but I want this to be a place, this to be a community where hope is found. A community of honest, authentic, real people where hope is found. Maybe there's a challenge in that for us. Those of us who do use social media, maybe, maybe we should try and balance out our profiles a little bit more than they are. Maybe we should be posting a little bit more of sometimes when we make a silly mistake or when we get something wrong or when we don't know what to do in a situation. Maybe we should be trying to look a little bit more real to everyone who's following us. A little side note before we continue, though, because there are actually, there is such a thing as oversharing, and there is such a thing as um, unsafe ways to be vulnerable with others. And, and although it is really important for authenticity that we do share who we really are with others, there are appropriate ways to do that and inappropriate ways to do that. And there may be people in your life that that's really safe to do that, and there might be people in your life that that's not really safe to do that with. And 
I'd encourage you to really seek God on, on that, seek God's word, and seek the wise counsel of someone who's really trustworthy in your life as to how to be authentic, how to be more authentic, and how to let people see into your life in a little bit more detail. So we need to know who we are to be more authentic, and we need to show who we are to be more authentic, but this idea of embracing authenticity is actually broader than me. It's broader than you. It's actually broader than us as a church being more authentic and being more real, because to embrace authenticity, it actually requires allowing others to be authentic as well. It requires us to provide a safe space for anyone to be authentic as well. Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus didn't say, come to me once you have it all together, and if you've had a smooth and easy week, come to me and I'll give you a pat on the back at church. He said, come to me if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're fed up with life, I'll give you rest. Come as you are. And in fact, Jesus' followers, if you look at them, they were far from perfect, right? They were far from having it all together. In Mark 2, it describes part of Jesus' followers. It says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard of this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, for those who know they are sinners. Isn't that a great description of an authentic Christ follower? Somebody who knows they're a sinner. Let me ask you, if Jesus calls the sinners, why would we feel the need to hide our imperfections? If Jesus calls the sinners, why would we expect others to hide their imperfections before joining us as a community. If Jesus hangs out with broken people, why would we feel the need to have it all together all the time or to pretend like we've got it all together? If Jesus hung out with broken people, why would we expect anybody to enter this place, enter our community, pretending like they've got it all together. He doesn't. Jesus says, come as you are. And I'm starting to think that perhaps we should be wearing our Sunday best to church. You see, Paul says in Galatians, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new 
close. What if our Sunday best wasn't what we wore, but who we were? Maybe I should be wearing my Sunday best not just to church, but to work, to school, to the beach on the weekends, to bed. Maybe I should be wearing my Sunday best wherever I go because perhaps we've got our Sunday best wrong this whole time. Maybe our Sunday best isn't what we wear, but who we wear. And the beauty of Jesus is that If you are here today and you don't know what the Creator says about you, or perhaps you're here today or joining us online and you don't feel even particularly Christ-like today, Jesus accepts you no matter what you're wearing. He accepts you with whatever clothes you've got on your back. We accept you whatever you're wearing. And when you're ready, God has a new outfit for you to try on. An outfit not stained by what you've done. An outfit not marked by who you've been in the past or what others say about you. But an outfit washed with his blood, made white as snow, made pure, authentic. And that is what being an authentic Christ follower means. Wearing our Sunday best. And if we feel like we have to pretend to do that, Jesus just says, "Just well, just come as you are. The outfit's here waiting for you when you're ready. Door of hope as we get better and better at embracing authenticity, not just being authentic in ourselves and as a community, but allowing others to be authentic as well. We will become more Christ-like as we do this. We will be more like the oasis in the desert, the water in the drought that our community so desperately thirsts for. We will become a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile answer.